dynamic, the supernatural enablement to love one another. But let's see what happens. Let's read. Let's check it out together. God's word says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me Nothing. Wow, this is heavy, isn't it, to consider this morning? So number one, where does he begin? Look at verse one with me. And the, the verb tense is continually. If I continually speak in the tongues of men or of angels, if, if I exercise the gift of tongues um, regularly, or if I'm able to speak with eloquence, if I'm able to speak with powerful oratory skills or with beautiful language, If I'm able to do that, if I'm able to communicate with the best of them, but it's not motivated by love, if it's not done in love, if what comes out is not love, what does Paul say? I have become like what? Sounding brass, like a a horn that's just... Or clang... Ever heard clanging cymbals? So, number one, it's not pleasing to God. In fact, he does not hear a symphony coming from our lives. And no matter how gifted, no matter how proficient we are at speaking or communicating, without love, what I'm saying is simply noise. You guys ever experienced that in your life? You may say the right thing, but you say it with an attitude, uh, it's not love, that's unloving. You guys ever do that before? I was talking to my daughter Sloan this week about this very thing, actually apologizing to her. Because there were years where I would say stuff to my daughter that were right on, but I said it in an attitude of unlove, yelling. You guys ever get mad and yell? You guys ever do that? Anybody do that besides? No? Please, please pray for your pastor. <laughs> I've grown since then. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? But the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And you can say the right thing, but it can be unloving and it, it's not received. Correct? It's not received. It's simply noise. And so often the problem with our communication is that love is not at the center. We are called, Ephesians 4, we are called to speak the truth in love to one another. Correct? Speak the truth in love to one another. Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. There needs to be a balance in the things that we communicate. Love must be at the center of our communication with others. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul goes on to say, if, if I've received and I continually operate in these giftings, the gift of prophecy, of speaking on behalf of God, speaking forth His Word, if I understand all mysteries 
All those things that were hidden, but now they're revealed in Christ. If I understand all of those, if I have all knowledge, if I have a grasp on God's word and information and input and uh, amazing insight into the Bible, if I have, if I continually exercise total trust in God, that he does amazing things, miraculous things, moving mountain moving stuff, but I don't have love, look what it says. I'm what? I'm a zero. Everything I am trying to do, I, everything I'm trying to be, everything I'm trying to accomplish is nothing. Hey, you're a gifted communicator of God's word. You get it. You got great perspective. You've got great insight. You got great wisdom. You're smart. But no one, guess what? No one really cares how wise you are. Why? Because there's no love behind it. What's, how's that saying go? No one, nobody cares what you know until they know you, until they know you care, right? It's like clang, 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 clang. Maybe you're a giant in the faith. Man, you're a, you are a spiritual giant trusting God. You trusted when no one else trusted. You were the one to say, you know what? God's going to do it. It's going to happen. God, I trusted God when there was no way and he made a way. I was the one. Guess what? In the final assessment, there was no love. It was zero. You're nothing. Paul says you're nothing. Why? Because there was no love of God or others flowing through your life. All your vision, all your wisdom, all your faith, all your gifting means nothing without love. We can have all these beautiful gifts. This is heavy, isn't it? We can have all these gifts in operation in our lives, but ultimately it doesn't matter at all because there's no love. Paul is trying to drive this point home. We need this this morning, don't we? Look at the next, look at verse 3. If I take all that I got to nourish those people that have nothing, to feed the poor, to care for the poor, if I give my body as a martyr to be burned, or, or if I burn out my life serving others. Some people do that. They just burn out serving Jesus. But have no love. Look what it says. It profits me nothing. In other words, there's no reward. It is or was of no use. You know what that tells me? Love, love must be at the center of my speaking, my serving, my giving, my sacrifice. All that I do, love needs to be at the center. Personally, I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize everything I did or said was nothing because there was no love. No one saw God's love in my life. And you know what? I, I do a lot of talking I do a lot of serving. I, try, I do a lot of trusting God for stuff. And I tell you, I've done a lot of it without love. Maybe some of you have too. For some of you, there's been maybe you've wasted your efforts, you've wasted your words. Maybe you've even wasted years because love didn't show through or love was not at the heart of it all. Can I encourage you this morning? We can't get back what we did or said, but we can purpose in our hearts from today forward to what? To, to continue to love in the way that we're called to. 
If we don't get love, nothing else matters. If we don't learn love, nothing else matters. We need to learn this morning. We need to be open to this. It's interesting, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul said to the Thessalonians, you don't need anybody to teach you to love. God himself teaches you. You ever thought about that? The question is, if love's not flowing and growing, and God's trying to teach me, maybe I'm not teachable. Maybe I'm saying, I know that already. You're preaching to the choir. But then the assessment of your life is, no one sees love. Maybe you once were walking in love. Maybe your life was full of that, but now it's not anymore. It's, it's, guess what? It's okay. You make the adjustment this morning. You confess and repent and you come back. Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, Revelation 2, you've left, I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. You're doing everything right. You're doing all these things right. You're serving, you're sacrificing, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're doing all these ministries. You don't put up with false teaching, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. And isn't it awesome that our great physician not only gives the diagnosis and prognosis, but he gives the cure. And by the way, he paid the bill too, and it's blood. (laughs) That he gives us the steps to get back on track. Remember from where you fell. Repent and redo the first works. This morning, we need to have a change in our lives, you guys. A change in our hearts. If that flow has been clogged, then guess what? You, come, you confess your sins. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, confess means is homo legeo in the Greek. It means to say the same thing as. It means to agree with God. God, I'm wrong. I have been unloving. Love hasn't been at the center of all that I'm doing and saying. God, forgive me. I'm wrong. You're right. I'm coming clean this morning. I'm not going to be a phony any longer. You know what it says? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. But wait, there's more. There is. Yes, there is. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify. Katharizo, you Greek students. Katharizo in the Greek, it means to remove the poison. The poison is removed so the love will start flowing. But we need to come clean. The Lord is here with the power to heal this morning. Will you come to him? Will you come to Jesus to allow him to remove the poison? To unclog the flow. What happens when something's clogged up? How's it smell? Pretty gnarly, doesn't it? Anybody ever have a clog? I don't think we need to think. You guys can have lunch in a little while. I don't want to go any further. That's That's all we need, correct? You got the visual. You got the all the auditory, all the senses firing. Correct? (laughs) Clog, no good. I would say, listen, this morning, my life must be honed down, refined, reduced to love. Bottom line this morning. Well, let's look at, uh, we have a clear description of love in verses 4 through 8. Let's read and see what God says. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So beautiful, isn't it? Would you consider yourself a loving person? This morning? Just, you don't need to belt it out. Would your spouse consider you to be a loving person? How about your friends? Would your friends say, that gal, that dude, the one word, to, what would be the one word to describe him or her love? Would they say that about you this morning? What would they say? What would they say about you? Know, again, this is not like, hey, here's a conviction sandwich this morning. Take that, you know. But I think it's good to step back. What description do you use to evaluate whether you are loving or not in your life? Now, maybe you compare yourself to others. Well, I know I'm not as loving as Andrew Ingram, but I'm way better than Sammy. B. <laughs> Just kidding. What's your criteria? I think as we look at these verses, this, this is a radical standard right here for all who call themselves Christians. Who all who say, you, you say you're a child of God, here's our standard right here. And by the way, it's interesting to see all of the descriptions are verbs. Did you notice that? All these words in Greek, they're verbs. Love suffers long, does not envy, does not parade itself. And listen, when God uses the word love, it's always, it's not always, but it's usually a verb, isn't it? For God so, or it's, it's, it's uh, connected with a verb. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. By this we know love that he gave his life for us. And so no different here. We see these verbs and love is what love does or love is what it doesn't do. So love is active. In other words, love is connected with our actions. Does that make sense? Kind of tying myself up. Look what it says. Love suffers long. Suffers long. It's an interesting word in the Greek, by the way. It's a combination of two words. Check this out. It means to extend a long time and to breathe hard. Isn't that interesting? Extend a long time and to breathe hard. You ever get cut off in traffic? Does it ever change your breathing pattern? <laughs> this means to breathe long, for a long time, but not explode. In fact, it's tied to what? Love is long-suffering and is... What does it say? Love is... What's attached to it? Love suffers long and is kind. Doesn't snap. That word suffers long means long-tempered, long-fused, patient. Listen, it's the opposite of being quick-tempered is the idea. Love is willing to suffer pain. Listen, love is willing to suffer long, to suffer painful circumstances, difficult circumstances, and difficult people. You guys ever face difficult people? Maybe sometimes you're the difficult person, too, aren't we? Sometimes we're the difficult person. Our brothers and sisters are suffering long with us, too, correct? We are to suffer long, to suck it up, 
and keep being kind in the midst of difficulty. Remember when Jesus uh, was talking about forgiveness and bearing with others? And he said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Seven times? Is that what he said? Seven times? Seven times? He, he was saying, check me out, seven times. Because the religious leaders of the day, for them, it was three strikes, you're out policy. And some of us have that policy with others. I put up with you. I've been suffering long. That's one strike. That's two, three. You're out. Get out. You're out of the ballgame. Grab some bench. But Jesus said not seven, seven times. Seventy. So does that mean I bear with and forgive? Okay, it's 483. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting close. Just like, is that, that, is that what he's talking about there? He's talking about continually. It's interesting that in Daniel 9, it was 490 years till the coming of Christ's kingdom. You know what he's saying? You forgive until the kingdom comes. You forgive until the kingdom becomes a reality. That's how long you are to forgive till, I think. That's my own personal opinion. You can take it or leave it. But it's continually to extend, to bear with. Oh, pastor, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Give it to God. In prayer, bring it to him and respond in kindness. Who's our example in this, by the way? Jesus is, isn't he? When he suffered on the cross, when he suffered long for you and for me, and he said what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. There's people that have no idea what they're doing in your life. And you and I are called to suffer long and to forgive them. And to choose to forgive them. Why? Because the one that said that as he endured on the cross is living in your heart and in mine. The greatest Christian that ever lived is living in our hearts. To enable us and to help us to walk in these things. So kindness means to, I looked it up, it means gentle, courteous, caring. In the Greek, check this out, I had to study a little more. It means to be employed or fit for use. You know what that means? It is your, it's your job and my job to be nice, to be courteous. That's part of our father's business, right? We're employed by him. Are we employed by him? He's our employer, right? He's our boss. Okay. Yes, sir. I will be compassionate and courteous. And so with difficulty, be nice. Don't get all worked up, overreact. Love, listen, love is demonstrated when you diffuse the situation with kindness. When you retaliate with love and you treat others, you know, you know what it, it communicates? You treat others like they're valued. The way God cares about them, that they're special. Look at next, love does what? Love does not, what does your Bible say? Love does not, verse four. You guys, do you guys have a verse four there? Love does not what? Envy. What is envy? Jealousy, covetous, desirous, grudging, or begrudging. In fact, listen, jealousy or envy is such a, guys, it's such a danger. It, it, it will suffocate love. Are you with me? We can go all the way back to the beginning. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain was envious of Abel. Joseph, remember Joseph? 
Joseph's brother sold him into slavery because of envy or jealousy. And then check this out. Pontius Pilate recognized the religious leaders handed over Jesus because of envy. You see how far envy will play out in a life if we allow that to have any area in our life? It will clog the flow of love. It will keep us from loving. And so love what? Love does not envy. Love does not resent when other people are blessed either. When other people are blessed or promoted, love does, love, love does not resent that. You're excited. You're grateful that God's working in that person's life. You're not envious of them. Also, love is not consumed with, with desire for other people's stuff whether possessions, their spouse, whatever. Listen, that word envy in the Greek means to bubble over from getting so hot. To bubble over from getting so hot. To burn with zeal. Wow. So not only is there this jealousy thing, there's this boiling over because we're so steaming hot. You guys ever had that happen to you? couple of you guys, don't be lying in church this morning. Listen, if we overreact, get upset, people don't see love, do they? Even if we mean well. You're passionate, but it doesn't, com- it doesn't communicate love to me. Hey, when you yell and scream at me, I don't sense that you love me. And when we boil over, when we boil over because we're so hot, you know what it does? It not only amounts to nothing, it nullifies a bunch of good that we've said and done in the time that we've invested. Listen, real love puts a lid on it. It doesn't boil over. And so, and there's a deeper, there's a deeper source to the problems that we're reading about of boiling over, being impatient, or being unkind. And it's what? Look what it says. Love does not parade itself. I mean, just think about that word that he uses. Parade itself. It speaks about when you're on parade for everyone to see. I want everyone to check me out. You guys know, you guys have watched, you guys ever watched like the, uh, what are those award shows? What are they called? The Grammys? Oscars. Right? What do they do? Everybody comes out for a bit, don't they? They parade themselves, they get all dressed up and parade, correct? Is that what they do? Something like that? They get a little gold statue that they hang in their thing and... And then they gripe and complain about the paparazzi following them. Right? And, they, and what do they do? They go to places where the paparazzi are so they can be seen. They can be on parade. But it can happen in our lives too. It, that way parade itself means to act as a show-off, be preoccupied with self. Um, it also means, exa- it means to exaggerate your own greatness or your own accomplishments. Listen, when I think it's all about me, you know what I think it's all when I'm on parade? When I think all that matters is me, how people see me, how people view me, what people think about me, what people are saying about me, how I look when I demand respect to be treated in a certain way, you know what I'm doing? I'm demonstrating I'm on, I'm on parade and I want everybody to see. Listen, being consumed with what people think about us And then putting on a show always alienates and disconnects us from others. And love is okay with not being seen or known. 
Jesus, it says, made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2. I think this is connected to it. Look what it says. Love does not parade itself, is not, what does your Bible say? Is not puffed. Did you say puffed up? Puffed up means to inflate by blowing. To inflate by blowing. Maybe that was someone's, was that part of a definition talking there too, more of it? Here's what else it means. Someone filled with himself, exuding unhealthy levels of self-importance, swollen with pride, or making yourself bigger to draw attention of others. Listen, love isn't something, love isn't something that inflates itself, makes a bigger deal of itself than it really is. And pride causes us to do what? To self-inflate, right? Can't you just picture it right here? All swollen. Love, love puffs up. Or uh, what, is it, what does it say earlier? Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love builds up. And so pride causes us to self-inflate. And to par- pride causes us to parade ourselves around like everybody's digging you, checking you out. And here's the deal. I'm learning this. It's interesting. It's not necessarily out of meanness that people do this. You know what it's, it's out of? It's out of insecurity. You think that the, the real you is not enough. And that what you do is you try to fool people into thinking you're something that you're not. And you know what it is? It's burdensome. It will wear you out. Trying to maintain some image, play some game. And guess what? It is a lot of work to play games. Parading yourself, puffing yourself up. When life is all about you, there's a lot of pressure to keep maintaining your image, to keep maintaining your game, to stay on top of your game. And here's the deal. Can I just share this with you this morning? The Lord loves you just the way you are. Jesus loves you right where you're at, man. With all your insecurities, all your failures, all your shortcomings, all your weirdness, all your kookiness. Do you know he still loves you? He's not, do you know he's not grossed out by you? He's begun an awesome work in you and me, and he's going to see it through to completion. We're not called to fix ourselves. We're called to love him and to love others. And let him work in our lives. Let him change us. But not to put on a show, not to put on a parade, not to put on a mask. Be yourself in Him. Be secure who you are in Christ. All the pressure's off, man. There's only one person you need to please. That's Jesus. Is to put a smile upon His face. To walk in love. And you can live honestly under His grace, empowered by His Spirit. God loves you. He sees through all of it. And you know what happens, though, when we parade ourselves? No one sees the love of God. When we're puffed up, we block love from flowing in our lives. And so this area, man, stops the love from flowing in our lives. And then four things in verse 5 that kill love. That's about as far as we're going to get this morning. One more verse. That's okay, though, isn't it? I think we need to slow down in these verses. I think the Lord's saying we need to slow it down. We need to get this right, don't we? Do we need to get this right? We do. Here's four things that kill love. Number one, verse five, 
Love does not what? Love does not behave rudely. It means not fitting or appropriate or nasty. Or it's being inconsiderate of others. And listen, when you're rude or nasty, um, you're unpleasant to be around. <laughs> Isn't that correct? Yeah. Someone that's rude or nasty, you just, it's kind of like, just don't want to be around you, man. And so when we're rude or nasty, we push people away. Rather than connecting with people, which is what God intends for us, isn't it? As a family. When we're rude, we disconnect. And what happens is, you know what happens? People have this attitude, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't, I'll do what I want to do, and I don't care what anyone else says. I'm just going to do my thing, man. And you're totally oblivious to how it affects others. And what happens is you become a repellent. <laughs> you become a repellent. You make people uncomfortable. People don't want to be around you. You ever experienced a rude driver? You ever experienced rudeness driving? If you're, if I spend a little bit of time on the road. There are some rude drivers aren't out, out there, aren't there? How do you respond? You get cut off. God bless you. God bless you, Mary, gentlemen. Is that, is that what we do? We're not quite there yet, are we? We're growing. It's interesting. Anybody have a King James Bible here this morning? You got a King Jimmy? It says, uh, love does not behave unseemly. Is that right? Unseemly. It's like, what is that word, unseemly? Here's how to break it down if you've got a King Jimmy. If you're behaving in a way that doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. Because love, when it is expressed, is considerate. You know, just being nice, just being nice is a huge witness for Jesus. Just being nice. It, you don't see it a whole lot. You go to, right, you go to Starbucks to order your whatever, your triple latte with the twist, caramel, and someone cuts in line, cuts you out. There's another example for us this morning. Not a personal illustration, just the kind of what you guys do, right? Go to get your stuff. And, you, and what do you do? You go right ahead. I can wait. It, listen, that touches people's hearts. When we retaliate with niceness we're just we're just plain nice there's not a lot of a lot of that out there these days and it often opens the door dude what's up with you man well jesus loves you bro i did it for jesus and it opens the door opens the door for you to share with people man what's different about you just simply not behaving rudely loving Verse 5, what else does it say? Does not seek its own, does not strive after one's own agenda only or affairs or goals only. It speaks of selfishness. Listen, this morning, selfishness suffocates love. Selfishness suffocates love in our lives. Love, God's love is other-centered. It's sacrificial. It's giving of myself to those around me. And listen, if it's all about you, and you guys know this, if it's all about you, you'll never be satisfied. 
trying to satisfy yourself and, and fill that emptiness in our hearts and our lives. And what will happen? Love will be blocked up. It's going to dry up if you're totally consumed with yourself. You'll have no meaningful connections with people in the church because it's all about you. Because who you care about most is you and you alone. And so if you want to love, you got to get past the idea that life is all about self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction, self-glory, self-preservation. Self is our problem, isn't it? Again, Jesus told us what to do with ourselves to deny ourselves and to take up our cross annually, daily, and then follow him. If we want to follow Jesus, that's, we know to the self, know to the selfishness, death to the selfishness, and follow Jesus. And so you'll discover your life when you lose it, Jesus said. He said it. You'll discover life when you value others and care for others and help others. That's where satisfaction, fulfillment, and love is found in serving others. You want, listen, you want a toxic life, a bitter life? Live a self-consumed life. Live for just yourself. You'll, it'll be toxic. It'll be, you'll be unsatisfied. In fact, Jesus said, remember in John chapter 4, Jesus with the Samaritan woman. The disciples come back. She takes off for the city to tell everybody she met the Messiah. The disciples come. They got their food from, remember they got their food? Shawarma, kebab, from H-E-B, the Hebrew market. <laughs> or something like that. And have, something like that and went down. And one of the disciples tried to say, here, food, eat. Like, Jesus like, no. Did someone give him food? You know, did he... And what did Jesus say? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, what Jesus says, what satisfies me, what fulfills me is doing the Father's will. It's being about his business. Listen, his business is love. It's loving the Lord and loving others. Jesus said it himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, we got one more. Is not provoked. No, we got two more. Can we do it? Yeah, we can. Two minutes, we can do it. Got two minutes? No. Two hours, it says on my clock. <laughs> it's not provoked. Easily roused to anger. When you are affected by someone else and it brings about a negative reaction in you, you're a ticking time bomb. About to, you know anybody like that? They're just like a volcano or a ticking time bomb. Just like you tiptoe around that person. Because you know if you say something wrong, what's going to happen? You get a beat down, verbal, hopefully not physical, not in the church, right? Listen, if you are, you need to repent. We are to be meek like Jesus. Strength under control. Correct? Don't, don't be the kind of person that allows people to provoke you. That's what he's saying here. We so often blame others for our anger and how we react, don't we? Well, he said this, or she said that, or he did this to me. And then we snap, don't we, in return? And then we blame it on the other person when all along what? Is it about the inadequacies of others? No, it's about the lack of love flowing from my own heart. God wants us to react in a way that honors him and glorifies him. And so, remember what happened to Moses? Remember what happened to Moses? I mean, can you imagine 
40 years taking care of two to three million people, grumbling, complaining, caring for them. You guys remember that? Putting up with them, loving them, praying for them, laying down his life for them. I mean, awesome shepherd. Then all of a sudden, one day they want water. Give us water, man. And so God tells Moses to do what? Speak to the rock. Earlier it was strike the rock. Now, at the end of the journey, speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? You guys remember what he does? He rolls out. He gets out his staff. You want water, you rebels? Wow. Wow. He's beating the rock. And, and, and God was so gracious, right? Water still flowed. Because that's the way that God rolls, isn't it? He's so gracious. Such an important lesson for us. God wasn't mad at the people. Moses was mad at the people. It disqualified Moses from going into the promised land. The problem was he misrepresented God. The Lord's called us to be his ambassadors, to represent him. Listen, don't get all lit up and misrepresent God. I'm encouraging myself this morning. We demonstrate love by our reactions. Is God easily provoked? Aren't you glad he's not easily provoked? Isn't that beautiful? Well, last one. This is so good. This is a great place to end. Don't miss this. Love thinks no what? Evil. It can mean a couple of things. There's no evil intent that you have. You're not malicious towards people. You're not stumbling others on purpose or seducing people. Love doesn't assume evil about others. Love gives the benefit of the doubt to people. In other words, love thinks the best until proven untrue. But listen to what this word means. Don't miss this. Thinks no evil. That word thinks, it's an it's a accounting term. And it means to reckon, to compute, to keep a log or an inventory or a list. If you love this morning, if you and I are loving, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop keeping lists. A collection of past offenses. How many ways that person has failed me or failed? Listen, you're going to stop keeping score. Relationship is based upon forgiveness. Think about the gospel. The good news of the gospel is what? That the charges are gone. The list is gone against you and me, isn't it? (laughs) Forgiven, forgotten, gone forever. There's no list. There's no list checking it twice. And how are we to forgive one another in the church? As brothers and sisters? Oh yeah. Give that man a prize. Give him something wrapped across the way. Can't touch food. We're to forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven us. If you are holding a record of wrongs this morning against someone, you got your little list, then guess what's going to happen to love in your life? It's going to get choked out. It's not love that will not be flowing in your life because you're all bitter. You're still hung up. Listen, unforgiveness, little lists that we have against one another, 
It separates us from one another. It doesn't bring us closer. It doesn't connect us. L- listen, love forgives and chooses to forget. This morning, can you tear up the list? Will you tear, listen, this morning you've come in here and you've got a list against someone. Can you tear it up and get rid of it? Because love, what? Love thinks no evil. Love, some translations say love holds no record of wrongs. Don't, and listen, not only tear up the list, don't keep a list. Don't even get out your pen and paper. Continually forgive. Is that how God deals with us? He does, doesn't he? Aren't you grateful for that? Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your forgiveness this morning. That you don't keep a list. That we've been forgiven, our sins forgiven, forgotten, gone forever. You said our sins and our lawless deeds you will remember no more. God, forgive us this morning. I pray you would forgive us. We've held on. We've made lists. We've kept score. 